Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. We're in week four of a series based on a passage from the New Testament book of Hebrews in the Bible where the author writes to the community of the early church because they're feeling tired and they're tempted to give up on their faith. So, so they just like flip, this is so hard, like stuff isn't working, I don't know if I want to do this Jesus thing anymore. And, and so the author writes them, we built a whole series of, around this. So the author is like, oh, flip, okay, these people are losing their faith. Like, like they, the race marked out for them by God is in jeopardy here, and they might give up on the course they're called to follow. So, so what he does in Hebrews chapter 12 is he encourages them, and he says these words to the tired people who felt like giving up their faith. He said, therefore, guys, listen, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's entangling you and and let us together run the race with perseverance marked out for us. Run the race marked out for us in perseverance. Because we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, guys. And and so we might go, what are those witnesses? Well, in the context of that scripture, it's referring to the heroes of the faith in the past that are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews before we get to chapter 12 where we are encouraged with these words. In some way beyond human comprehension, we're then being watched as we run our faith race, cheered on by those witnesses listed in Hebrews chapter 11, which has, been come, which has come to be known as the hall of faith. The list of these people in chapter 11, the hall of faith. Somehow, in some supernatural way, beyond your human understanding, we're being told by the author that they are watching us and cheering us on as we're in our race. You know, and we're tired and I can't anymore and I trusted Jesus with this thing. It didn't work out. So I'm not sure about the Jesus thing anymore. And we're kind of losing a little bit of our focus. And there they're going on the sideline. You can do it. <laughs> and so we're going to slow down in our own faith race as we have been doing in this series. And we're going to walk to the sideline where those witnesses are watching us. And we're going to go, hey, what, what, like, information can you give me? Like, what advice can you give me through faith in your life that has led you to be in the hall of faith so I can keep running my faith race? We're going to, like, say, hey, just tell me a bit, please. Give me something. I'm dying here. And so as we do that, we're exploring different people that were listed in the hall of faith. And today we're going to take a moment, run to the sideline, and reflect and and look at the life of a man called Noah. Noah is listed in the hall of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, where it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So what did faith look like in Noah's life? And what advice would he give us in our faith race today? So in exploring the answer, let's go and look at the historical pages of Scripture in the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 6, from verse 9 to 22, that speak about Noah. It tells us, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it. Leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, my promise, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark Two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah then did everything just as God commanded him. And so we then read in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 that after he had done everything God had commanded him, gone through the storm, that God blessed Noah and his family. It's interesting because when we think about building an ark without any rain and then being in a storm that he had never seen before, we understand that Noah didn't only need faith to step out and build a boat without any water to float it on. He needed faith to surrender to a rainstorm he had never seen or understood. Now, we understand this because as we read in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11 verse 7, describing Noah is very specific with its words. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah had faith when he was warned by God about things that had not yet been seen or understood by humans. Now, Many scholars believe that Noah is described this way because up to this point in the creation of man, the water God had provided on the earth had only come from springs and not rainwater falling from the skies. That had not yet been seen. A key figure and contributing voice in the answers in Genesis ministry for many years has been Dr. Donald B. de Jong, who explains that there are several lines of biblical evidence that there was no rain before the flood. This would have meant that Noah didn't only need faith to step out and build a boat without any water. He needed faith to surrender to a rainstorm he had never seen or understood in his human experience. So, so the end result of what he was told to do didn't necessarily make complete sense. Like I understand the whole thing of a flood from the springs on the ground. And now you're talking about this water coming from the heavens. And so there are two clear actions that are revealed in Noah's faith that we can learn from. First of all, Noah's faith required stepping out in obedience. And secondly, Noah's faith required surrendering to the outcomes. So firstly, Noah displayed faith 
that started by stepping out in obedience. God said these things to know. He said, I'm going to destroy both them and earth, so make yourself an ark. And then God starts to give all these like measurements and these practical ways to build infrastructure for a supernatural promise of his deliverance. Interesting how as Christians, we often demonize anything that's got to do with infrastructure or systems. We're the church. We're not a business. Well, I'm like, okay, I, I disagree. There needs to be infrastructure, and here we see it. God would manifest a supernatural promise to all mankind through Noah, not that started with him singing Kumbaya up on the mountain waiting on the Lord, but by engaging in practical participation of building infrastructure. And so God's like, do all this, da, 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 build the ark. It must be these cubits high, make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all the way around. And he did all this. And then verse 22, after all this instruction tells us, as we read that Noah did Everything just as God commanded him. As was for Noah, faith requires our first step of obedience in the natural. Faith requires our first step of obedience in the natural. This is why the author of the New Testament book of James wrote in James 2 verse 17 that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The power of our faith is activated through our practical obedience. <laughs> Sounds right, doesn't it? But the problem is that we often have faith focused more on our desired outcomes. See, our faith is usually about believing for an outcome we want. So, so our faith is like this. Okay, what do I want? Okay, I want that. So what does the Bible say I must do? And then we're obedient based on measuring whether we want the outcomes attached. So God becomes more of a transaction than a relationship. Things become more transactional rather than relational. So, so suddenly we're like, okay, God, I will be obedient because I want the outcome. The, f- the focus of our faith becomes the outcome we want rather than obedience to whatever God has told us to do. Sometimes we make our faith about favorable outcomes in areas of our lives in which we weren't willing to be obedient first. We want God to bless us where we aren't first obedient. Now, please, I'm not saying God won't bless you if you don't perfect obedience. We must understand that God blesses us in our very brokenness, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But what I am saying is that stepping out in obedience is often our preparation in faith so that like Noah, we can endure the storm we don't yet see through which we will ultimately reach God's promises. You see, so sometimes the practical obedience is preparation in order to ensure we get to embrace the fullness of the promises God wants to give us. It's not because he's sick going, you naughty child. It's because he's going, my, my, my girl, my boy, I love you so much. I don't want you to sabotage the pathway toward the promise. And so in preparation, obedience is the first step. Genesis 9.1 that we spoke about earlier tells us that after the storm that Noah had to go through instead of being delivered from, God blessed him. Sometimes the vehicle God uses in getting us to his promised outcomes is an ark, which we obediently built by faith first, which then carries us on the currents of raging seas from a storm we haven't yet seen. 
And then we're like, oh God, this isn't the situation I wanted to be in. By faith, I believed you for a different outcome. And he's like, stop obsessing over the outcome in your faith and just be obedient where you are. Because my child, it's not about you kind of striving in your own strength to get there, but you don't recognize sometimes your obedience in your present is the preparation of the vehicle in which I'm going to deliver you into the fullness of my promises. For Noah, the stormy seas were the pathway to God's promise. We want to escape the stormy seas in our lives. I wonder how often they're supposed to be the pathways to the very promise we can't see. I wonder how many times we choose not to build the ark in obedience because the outcome doesn't seem to make sense. For no, the stormy seas were the pathway to God's promise and that required a vehicle built by faith first. This is why the outcome may not mean escaping the storm, but it shouldn't determine whether we take the first step of obedience. God, I I can't see how this works out, but I know this is what you want from my life. So, So instead of focusing on first figuring out the outcome, I know that all I really need to do is be obedient where I am with what I have now. Maybe that's the greatest form of faith for you. Maybe it's less about believing where you want to be and more about engaging in obedience where you are now. This brings us to our second point. Not only did Noah display a faith that started by stepping out in obedience, he displayed a faith that surrendered to the outcomes of his obedience. After building the ark by faith, Noah needed to surrender to a rainstorm he had never seen or understood in his human experience. Noah stepped out and did what he could do in obedience and then surrendered the outcome to what only God could do. Noah had to surrender to God and endure a storm he didn't see coming in an ark he had built obediently by faith. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations saying, oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh, I didn't expect a storm like this. Well, this doesn't make sense to me. What is this stuff falling out the sky? And then we need to recognize, well, God, if I've been obedient and built the ark, it's now my time to stop striving and building in obedience and my time to surrender to a storm that I wouldn't have seen coming and even in the midst cannot understand. How, God, can I understand a diagnosis like that from the doctor when I felt you promised me 30 more years of powerful work for you? How, God, can I see and understand the idea that you've taken everything away from me when I always believed that you had blessings in my future to prosper me and not to harm me? You might not understand that you're called to surrender in the ark you built by faith because the raging currents in the storm you face are the very pathways in which God is taking you toward the promise that you are unable to see in the rain. Noah had to surrender to God and endure a storm he didn't see coming in an ark that he had built obediently by faith. His obedience built the vessel of his deliverance. And now all he could do was wait. God, I've done what I can do. 
Now I've got to step back and surrender to what only you can do. Because God, the situation I'm in after taking that first step doesn't seem to add up to my understanding of things. But you are sovereign. Sometimes our obedience by faith is preparing us for situations that we won't fully understand, requiring surrender to a sovereign God. How many times in your life have you faithfully obeyed God only to find yourself coming into one of the darkest and most difficult periods of your life? How many times have you looked back to God and said, what is this? My whole life, I've done what you said. I've done my best. I've tried. And is this how you treat me? You put me into a storm, a raging sea. We fail to recognize that the period of our lives in which we obeyed was part of the preparation of a vessel that we're now standing in. Little do we know that in the sovereignty of our king, that very storm that you're complaining about is the pathway carrying the vessel you obediently built into the fullness of the promises that you can't see. Sometimes our obedience by faith is preparing us for situations we won't fully understand, which require our surrender to a sovereign God. See, Noah could surrender the outcome to God in a storm because he had first stepped out in obedience, building the ark by faith. The ark that would now become God's protection and provision in the storm he couldn't see coming. The vessel that would ultimately lead him to God's promise of blessing symbolized in a rainbow. God, I want the rainbow of your promise. Let me see the rainbow of your promise. And then he's like, my child, in order to see the rainbow, you have to go through the storm. So maybe it's not so much about you striving harder to escape the storm you're in. Maybe it's about you surrendering to what only God can do. And understanding that the rainbow you want to see will be on the other side of the storm that's waiting for your surrender to His sovereign hand. See, you can't surrender to God where you're not willing to first step out. And you can't step out where you're not willing to surrender because ultimately faith is stepping out in obedience and surrendering the outcomes it's like God faith says I take the step but I can't walk on water so Lord I take the step in obedience and I surrender the outcome I wonder if Noah would have ever been able to comprehend while he was in the story how the vessel God would use in getting him to the fullness of his promises would be an ark he had obediently built. I wonder if, if while he was building it, he understood the significance of this vessel being God's provision through his practical step of obedience. I wonder if he could put two and two together and figure out that ultimately the storm was actually the pathway toward promise. It wasn't just rescuing him from a storm. It was saving mankind. I wonder 
how Noah navigated the experience of seeing rain fall from the sky when he couldn't understand the storm. Did that mean that he couldn't understand how it would be part of the process of God's deliverance? The reality is that he didn't need to understand the storm. All that was required was his faith in his Savior. If we could run to the sideline of Noah's witness in our faith race, we're like, I'm so tired. You went through that hectic stuff. Like God made rain come and you'd never seen that before. And you built this boat where there was no water. And, and, and you kind of just, you sat on that boat when the storm got what was going through. And we said, please give me some advice. I think Noah might say this to us. He might go, my child. I've totally, I've watched you. I've watched you stumble just like me. So that one night when you had too much to drink, like I did, where my sons had to cover my nakedness, I've seen all your shame. And thank God, thank Jesus that he's our savior in the middle of our mess and imperfection. But my child, I've seen you get up. And I've seen you stumble forward in the mercies of God that are new every morning. And and I want to say to you in your faith, your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. My child, when it comes to your faith, your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. Yeah, but God, it didn't work out the way that I thought it was. My child, don't worry about it. Your responsibility is obedience. It's not the outcome. Oh, Lord, I've waited so long believing you for this outcome in my life. My child, you have no power to control the outcome. All you have is your ability to obey my word and trust. And even when you find yourself in, in a storm... It doesn't make sense and seems to contradict my promises. Surrender in faith to my sovereignty so that the currents of the storm can become the pathway to those promises you can't see. Your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. That can set us free right now from the weight of things we've tried to believe hard enough for. The things we've obsessed over wanting to understand that didn't happen the way we thought they should have. I don't have to worry about the outcomes. As long as I'm obedient, as best as I can be, God, I surrender it. I don't need to understand the storm. I surrender to your sovereignty. Sovereignty.